Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Get out your phone. Get out your Bible. Uh, get out the handout. Uh, and turn to Romans 8 chapter 8 verses uh, 18 through 25. This is what the Word of God says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who've had the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I want to talk today about what it means to be in the middle. How many of you know this? That your birth order, uh, psychologists tell us that your birth order, whether you're first, middle, or last born in your family, affects your personality and how you live and how you act. How many of you know that? All right. Well, if you didn't, you know that today. All right. Uh, so, so let me ask you a question. Uh, I want you to raise your hand. Uh, if you are the firstborn in your family, raise your hand. All right. Firstborn in the family. We, we know this. We know that you are really smart. Uh, we know that you are successful and you are driven. Uh, we know that you bear the brunt of your parents' discipline, uh, right? Uh, we know that your mom and dad wanted you to be a doctor when you were four years old, and they started preschool before you were even preschool age. Uh, but coming from someone who isn't a firstborn, let me just say this, we know you're smart, you don't always have to act like it, all right? <laughs> How many youngest, last born? Come on. Yeah, I got a shout out. Every time I do that, it's like the youngest. They're like, yeah, woo, it's me. Uh, I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest of four, all right? The baby of the family. Uh, and, uh, you know, I always thought I was the favorite child because I was the youngest. Uh, and I, uh, how, how many oldest, you know this, that, that the baby, right, the youngest, they got to stay up later than you did. They got to watch some of the TV shows that you didn't get to watch, all right? And uh, I, I, did, I didn't have a curfew when I was a senior in high school. Uh, and, uh, but, but let me say, you know, uh, every, to the youngest, everything's a party. It's just like, everything is fun. It's a party. Let me just say something to the youngest. Come from the youngest. It's time to grow up and take responsibility. All right? <laughs> Middle children, raise your hand. All right, middle children, raise your hand. I, I love this one because some of the middle children, they're like, I don't even know if I want to raise my hand. You know, mi mi middle children, I, I have a special place in my heart for middle children. My wife is a middle child, and I have two middle children at home. I have four kids, so I have two in the middle. I just have, I just have one thing I want to share with you middle children. God knows your name, all right? <laughs> and he loves you, all right? There, there is something about being in the middle, all right? Uh, when we went on, a couple years ago, we went on a road trip, uh, and we went to Sedona, Arizona. We thought it would be a good idea to 
jump into the Yukon and drive. The Google Maps said 21 hours to Sedona, Arizona. So we went through Idaho, down through Utah, like through the mountains of Utah into Flagstaff, dropped down in Sedona, Arizona. So 21 hours, right? We can do this in two days, all right, with four kids in the car. We've never been past Sun River with all of our kids in the car before. Uh, and so we, we get in the car, and what, what was supposed to take us two days of driving to get there took us three days. Uh, it was a seven-day trip. We spent six days driving, like, uh, So anyway, we get in the car, and, and how many of you know this? The majority of your road trip is in the middle, right? It's fun for the first hour, <laughs> and it's exciting for the last hour, right? The for the first hour, the excitement ends when someone in your car says, Dad, are we there yet? It's like, you know, the fun is over, like we are officially in the middle, and so the middle is the majority of, of the ride, and you've just got to endure it and have patience in order to get to the end, and then about an hour from grandma's, hey, we're in Sedona, I don't know if you've ever driven from Flagstaff to Sedona, it's kind of this long, windy road, and we're getting there, and we're excited, but the majority of the trip is in the middle. I, I, I want to propose to you that most of our life is spent in the middle. Think about this. Even in school, we have something called middle school, all right? Uh, even in life, we have middle life or we have mid life, right? Maybe it's age 30 all the way to what? Help me out. Midlife? 70, 70 all right? <laughs> That's a little generous, but I'll take it. I didn't say it, all right? So, so 30 to 70, right? And somebody's saying 30, that's not middle age. I was in self-denial too for 10, for 10 years, all right? So middle age, we spend most of our life in the middle. In fact, most of our identity crises come in the middle. Think about middle school. I have a ton of respect for middle school pastors, middle school teachers, middle school leaders in our youth group because oftentimes that middle school is a formative time in, in a child's life where they are figuring out who they are. But even in life, we have a name for it. It's called a midlife what? crisis. How many of you gone through a midlife crisis, all right? The typical thing is a guy gets a red sports car convertible when he turns 40, all right? Uh, what I did is I got a blue Harley Sportster 1200, all right? And I somehow talked my wife into that. It's a good idea, all right? So we, we have names for even things that happen in the middle. And uh, the majority of our life is spent in the middle. Maybe some of you are in the middle of your career. You're kind of wondering, I'm in the middle. I've, I've spent time in my career. What's next? Am I going to spend the rest of my working career doing this? Uh, what about any students? We have any people in, in, in school right now? You have students. Sometimes you feel like you're in the middle. Like you're, you're not quite at the beginning. You're not quite at the end. You're in the middle. And you wonder, what's going to happen in the future? What am I going to do? What career am I going to have? What about your marriage? Sometimes you're in the middle of your marriage, right? Maybe you're 10, 15, 20 years in, you've got another 10, 15, 20 years left, and you're thinking, is this all there is? Like, I want more. Like, marriage has got to be something more than this. You are in the middle, or maybe some of you are, are in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a pain or tragedy or uh, something happening in your life, and you're, you're in the middle, and you're, you're wanting it to end, and you're wanting to know the future, but the future is not there yet. I think we spend and experience life in the middle because 
we are actually in the middle of this grand narrative of God in Scripture, what we call salvation, that we are in the middle. Do you know in the Bible, then when the biblical authors use the word salvation, they use it in the past, present, and future tense, that we were saved, that we are being saved, and that we will be saved. And so, in a sense, you are in the middle of your salvation, salvific experience in the kingdom of God. And in fact, not only personally are we in the middle, but, but the entire cosmos is in the middle. Scholars and theologians of Christianity, they, they, they have a technical term for it, and it's called inaugurated eschatology. And the idea is this, that when Jesus came on this earth uh, and he was born in Bethlehem and he died in Jerusalem, uh, was his first coming. And when he came and he, and, he, and he came into public ministry, he inaugurated the end times. Eschatology means end times. People often ask me, Aaron, do you think we're in the end times? Yes, we're in the end times. We've been in the end times since Jesus came on this earth. He inaugurated the end times. People say, are we getting closer? Of course we're getting closer. Every day is closer to the very end. Uh, so he inaugurated eschatology. And so uh, the middle is between the first coming of Jesus and is what we believe. You read the uh, Revelation or you read Thessalonians that Jesus is going to come back for us, right? That's his second coming. That's his second advent. And we are here in the middle of this eschatology, the end times between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And what Paul says is, is Paul says, not only are we in the middle, stuck in the middle, the title of my message today, but the earth is as well. I, I want to read for you uh, uh, again uh, Romans uh, chapter uh, 8. I, I want to read verse 19 through 21. Again, it, it says this. It says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for this children of God to be revealed. For creation, listen to this, was subjected to frustration. Subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be liberated from bondage to decay, brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. This is Paul's theology, that the earth itself is bound up in frustration, right? Why is the earth bound up in frustration? The earth is bound up in frustration because in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree, it's called the fall of mankind, what did God do? God did not curse man. A lot of people think God cursed man or God cursed work. He didn't curse man. He didn't curse work. He cursed the what? The ground. And so the ground itself, the earth itself is subjected to frustration. It's subjected to a brokenness. This is why I like for people to understand this. A lot of times when we talk about sin and we talk about brokenness, we always make it personal, which it certainly is. We are broken individuals that need to be restored by God. But this idea of sin is that it pervades not just our human heart, but all life, including creation itself, right? Creation itself, what Paul says, is in bondage and it is in decay. All right, this is why, this is why God says this. In Revelation 21 and 22, it says that God is going to make a new what? Heavens and a new 
earth. And so the earth, the entire cosmos, is going to be renewed. Genesis 1, God makes heaven and earth. Revelation 21, God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And we are here stuck in the middle. And creation itself is stuck in the middle. And it's stuck in the middle from frustration uh, to liberation. From frustration to liberation. The earth is bound up in decay and bondage. This word frustration in the Bible, it actually, I think, has a better English translation. And it's the word, maybe your Bible uses it. It's the word futility. And futility literally means this. I'll give you the definition. You can write it down. Futility uh, means, can we get that up on the screen? There you go. Futility is not fulfilling the purpose for which something was made. So, so futility is not knowing uh, what you were made for or not functioning the way that you were made to be. And so the earth is bound up in this futility, this frustration, because it is not everything what God has created and designed it to be. Now I want to make this personal to you. We are bound up in frustration and futility in life because oftentimes in life we are not fully who God wants us to be. We are not fully who God wants us to be. And one of the most demoralizing, frustrating, depressing feelings anyone can have is when you have feelings of no purpose. When you wake up in the morning and you don't feel purpose in your life and you don't feel like there is a divine purpose in your life, people tend to do one of two things. They either give in or they give up. They give in to sin or they give in to the, 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 the world's ideology uh, or the world's philosophy or they give up on life and they just say it's all meaningless. We give in or we give up. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we live in this inaugurated eschatology, we actually have been freed up from frustration, but we haven't been fully liberated yet because Jesus is going to come back and make everything new. So we're in this land in between. We're in this middle area between frustration and full liberation. And when you come to know God, God gives you a purpose in your life. Actually, the purpose was always there, but he wants the purpose to be revealed in you. He wants to pull it out of you. It's like a, a diamond inside of you that needs to be mined and needs to be discovered so that you can understand not only who you are, but what you were made to do. And in creation, I love this, it says this, that creation itself is going to experience liberation. That creation itself waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. It, it, it's as if the creation itself, the mountains and the trees and the rivers and the ocean, all of creation is on its tiptoes cheering you on to, as a follower of Jesus because creation knows this. As you go, so it goes. When you are fully revealed in Christ, when Jesus comes back, the earth will be Renewed. We are on this journey together between creation and liberation. And creation is waiting on its tiptoes for you to experience liberation in Christ. But now, we are in the land in between. We are in the middle. Stuck in the middle. So what I want to talk about is what do we do when we're in the middle. What do we do when we're stuck in the middle? When we experience moments, uh, and you've probably heard this term, of now and the not yet. Have you heard that? That, that it's another uh, a way to say inaugurated eschatology, that we live in the now, 
but we haven't yet fully experienced what God has for us. So this is why in one day or one week, you can experience joy and a filling of the Holy Spirit, and you can just feel on top of the world, and then the next week, you can feel like you're in the dumps, all right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's a daily thing, maybe it's a weekly thing, maybe it's a monthly thing, and you feel, man, I'm on top of the world, and then you feel, man, I'm in the lowest bottom barrel that I can experience, and it's up and down, and it's up and down. And I want to just give you some hope. The, the days, your best days that you experience the Holy Spirit and God's joy in your life, is just a glimpse of what God has for you in the future. I mean, it is a shadow of everything that God has for you. And he gives you that to give you a hope for the future of what he has for you. But now we're stuck in the middle. And so what do we do when they're in the middle? I, I, I want to remind you of what Red Hills Church does and what we believe for every person who says, I'm a part of Red Hills Church, whether you're on staff, we believe this for our pastors and our leaders and everyone who's a part of our church. We believe in these four things that while we're in the middle between the first advent and the second advent, we want this. We want everyone to know God. You can write that down. We want everyone to know God. We want everyone to have a personal experience with Jesus Christ, to know him as their Lord and Savior, to make a decision to follow him. But not only that, we want everyone to find freedom. We want everyone to find freedom. Many of you already know, and, and by the way, I talked about these things in January 2020. I kind of laid these out. We got all excited about them, and then the pandemic hit, and we kind of pulled back and just gave people hope while everyone was online. Well, we're, we're bringing them back, all right, and just reminding you of them. Find freedom is this. How, how many of you know that you can know God but not have freedom in your life? Right, the, the classic example in the Bible is the Israelites. They were saved from Egypt, right? Moses led them through the Red Sea into the desert. They were saved. They knew God, but they didn't have full freedom. In the desert, you know what they were doing? They were building golden calves to worship. And so while they were freed from Egypt in the desert, Egypt wasn't fully free from them. So they had, they were free from slavery, but the ideologies and religion of their past was still in their hearts. And so the desert season of 40 years, why do they need 40 years in the desert? Because the desert was about getting Egypt out of them. Some of you are in the desert in your life. Some of you are in that season of waiting or experiencing. You really feel like you're in the middle of a crisis or pain. Maybe this is a, a about God finding freedom or giving you freedom in your life. One way that we ask people to uh, find freedom is to join a tribe. Uh, because we, we know that there, there's an element of freedom and uh, of experience Christ in a, in a large group gathering such as this. But at the same time, uh, discipleship and spiritual growth is really found in relationships with one another in a small group of people. Uh, the, the third thing that we want everyone to do is to discover purpose, discover purpose. And this is where I want to talk about for the most of our time, uh, the rest of our time today. Discover purpose. And, uh, uh, and your purpose is what you were made for. It is what you were made to do. And uh, if we don't find our purpose in life, then we will always live in constant frustration of something. That you will never be satisfied. You'll always have this kind of dissatisfaction. You'll never feel fulfilled if you don't find 
your purpose. And I want to propose that your purpose uh, is found in serving and giving and being a part of God's kingdom on earth through his church, through the local church. And the last thing we want everyone to do is to make a difference, to make a difference, to be a part of a team that is connected with your dream, making a difference in missions and in ministry and being a part of what God is doing. But it's your purpose that I want to talk about today. When I say discover your purpose, it's focusing on what God created you for. And focusing on your purpose can help you find ways of living your life in the middle with joy and excitement and, and, and being driven in, in the middle. Because when you find purpose in those moments, all of a sudden the light bulb goes off. So if you're in the middle of your career and you say, you know what, I feel like there's something more. You find purpose in that career. You find purpose and maybe the purpose is in that career and it'll cause you to shift to something else. Maybe you're in the middle of your marriage and you're thinking, hey, I want something more. Like it's, this just isn't clicking like it should. We've been 10, 15, 20 years and there should be more. You find purpose in your marriage. By the way, there's a lot of purpose in your marriage. Just read Ephesians chapter 5. Read through the books of the Bible. There's a lot of purpose that you can find in your marriage. Maybe your purpose in your marriage is to do something together and fulfill that purpose together. Imagine the sparks and the fireworks that'll go off in your marriage when you discover your purpose together. Maybe for some of you, it's your education, your schooling. When you discover what you are called to do, that comes into new light and there's an excitement that comes in your life when you discover what you are to do. And maybe some of you are in the middle of a crisis or pain. When you find that purpose in that pain, all of a sudden, you, you, the, the pain begins to make sense and you can make sense of that pain that you experience. So this is what I wanna do. I wanna spend the next few minutes to talk about what we do when we feel stuck in the middle. If you're in that place of frustration from futility to liberation or frustration to liberation from the now and the not yet, you're wondering, what, what do I do if I feel like I'm in the middle? Well, here's what I think Paul tells us to do. The first one is this. Embrace the painful moments in your life. Embrace the painful moments in your life. For, for most of my life, I did not embrace the painful moments of my life. I did what most men do is I tend to suppress the pain in my life and act like there's nothing there. Anybody with me? All right, you won't even admit to it, all right? Uh, at least I confess to it. And so the last few years is actually, I, I've learned this. I've learned that part of my growth and development is embracing the pain that I experience and the emotions that I experience so that I can grow through it. And Paul says to Embrace the pain. Here's, here's how he says it. He says, I consider our present sufferings not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, I want to remind you who Paul is talking to. Paul is talking to Christians in Rome, right? We call them Romans. But we know this. The audience of Romans were Jewish and they were Greek. So he's speaking to a mix of races together, trying to come together to, to do church together, right? So people from different backgrounds and different religions coming together, centering around Jesus, and he's talking to them. But he understands this, that when he talks about suffering, not only is he talking about suffering in the way that you and I experience today, right? Losing a loved one, ex experience pain or abuse or the tragedies in our life, but he's also talking to a people who experience persecution. 
In the first century, Christianity, for the first 15, 20 years of Christianity after Jesus ascended to heaven, Christianity afforded somewhat freedom because they were seen as a sect of Jewish religion. But it was probably 20, 30 years into Christianity. And it's actually, you read it in Acts where they were first called Christians at Antioch. That the, the, that the Roman government started seeing, oh, this is entirely different than Judaism. Th this is a beast, uh, a wildfire that we cannot put, on, put out. And so then there was oppression uh, and there was persecution in those moments. So what Paul is saying, he's saying all of that pain that you experience. All those moments of pain that you experience, that, 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 that number one, uh, that when you experience pain, you identify with Jesus because he experienced pain. But number two is that your present sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory. What he is saying is that all your pain is worth it for the future. All of it is worth it. And, and he uses this. He uses the illustration of childbirth right? Uh, a childbirth where you, uh, w women, how many women you have kids? Come on, raise your hand. Childbirth is this. Uh, it, it is, I, I've been through four childbirths. It was the most painful experience of my life, right? <laughs> I mean, I know my wife had it bad, but I had it really rough. Actually, our first child, uh, I, started, I started to get uh, a little dizzy, and the nurses rushed over to me and sat me down and offered me apple juice. Um, but, but, but childbirth is, is this. It is uh, women go through childbirth in, in, in the pain, painful moments of childbirth and, and they suffer through it because of this, because they know the joy on the other side, right? They know the joy and that joy gives a purpose to the pain that they experience. Jesus experienced this. In Hebrews 12 too, it says this. It says that to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus looked at the cross as joy. How could you do that? He was nailed to the cross and his hands and feet. He suffered on the cross, died uh, on the cross. Not only that, there's the physical aspect of the cross, but there's also the spiritual aspect. You remember when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he bore the weight of all of humanity's sin in that moment. We call it substitutionary atonement. That he took our sin in that moment and God turned his back on Jesus because he could not look at him in that moment because he bore the weight of everyone's sin. And so in that moment, the sky was dark and it was the most painful moment in all of history as God turned his face and Jesus experienced the weight of the world. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in Hebrews it says joy, or, or Jesus considered that joy. Why? Because he knew what was on the other side? What was on the other side? Resurrection, right? Power, resurrection for everyone. The Holy Spirit in every man and woman and child who says yes to Jesus. He considered it joy for what was on the other side. When you find purpose in the painful moments of your life, uh, it gives meaning and power uh, in those moments. Without, without purpose, pain is just pain. And this is what, what I believe, and I've tried to teach you this several different ways over the last several years, but it's this, that, that my greatest pain will often lead me to my greatest purpose. You know, 
we, we want to ignore our pain, but I want to propose to you and suggest to you that not to ignore the pain that you've experienced in life, but actually embrace it because it's often that pain in your life that leads you to uh, the greater purpose. If there's one thing I've done through our testimonies at Red Hills Church is I've tried to show you that pain leads to purpose in your life. Uh, even think about the video I showed last week of, of Jennifer and uh, the experience she had as a child of abandonment and then the, uh, the, the foster care that her and her family have done and the adoption that they've done. I mean, it's just this glorious moment of God took pain into, into purpose. I think about Lisa. Uh, Lisa is amazing. Lisa leads our Celebrate Recovery, and uh, she was in our church for four or five years before she even said hello to me, uh, but, but Lisa has an amazing story. And by the way, our Celebrate Recovery ministry is just growing right now in an exponential way, but she experienced addiction throughout uh, several uh, years in her adult life, so much so that her addiction sent her to prison. In prison, she found Jesus, and she found her purpose. When she got out, she came to Red Hill church for four or five years and then she started saying hey my name's Lisa and then she said hey I've got this story I want to lead celebrate recovery and now she has gone from pain to the purpose in her life I, I, I want to tell you don't ignore the pain that you've experienced because your pain can be a platform for the purpose in your life to help other people find Jesus are you with me let's get to the next one the next one is this. By the way, before I go on, let me just say this. That, did you know that 87% of Christians don't know their purpose in life? It means that I need to do a better job at helping people find their purpose. And I want to do that. In fact, we have a class that we're going to start next month. Uh, I'm just saying that prophetically, all right? Next month, uh, uh, and, and before the pandemic, we had next step classes, step one, step two. Step one is about you getting to know Red Hills Church. Step two is about discovering your purpose, us getting to know you. And we're going to launch those again in this next couple months because we want people to understand their purpose in life and how their purpose can connect into the local church, into ministry and to missions. The second thing is this. What do we do in the middle? Is we focus on our spiritual growth. You, you know, as a Christian, you, 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 are, you are never just kind of static in your spiritual life. It's kind of more like this. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's like this, all right? Sometimes it's all down here. Sometimes it's up here. But, but what I want to talk about is a focus in your spiritual growth that, that, that don't ignore the fact that God wants you to grow as a follower of Jesus. Even in a place in the middle where we are not, we experience now but not yet fully that you can grow. And how many you know this? That, that in in your life in Jesus Christ while you live on this earth, there is never a place where you fully arrive. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You can be 80 or 90 years old or 100 years old and you haven't arrived. All right? Uh, it, it is this constant uh, growing in Christ Jesus. We call it sanctification. Becoming more like Jesus in our life. It's interesting because Paul says this. It says that we groan inwardly like there's this yearning inside every human. And I believe it's because the Holy Spirit is within us and the Holy Spirit is yearning for us to be more like Jesus. You ever had an ache in your heart for something more? 
a pain in your soul and you just feel like, light, I need more. Let me tell you that the path to finding more of Jesus is spiritual growth, discipleship. You call it so many different things. And we do that at our church through joining a tribe. It's why we ask people to be part of a tribe. In this pandemic season that, that we've been in the last year, I just want to encourage you, don't neglect your spiritual growth in Christ. Do not plateau. Do not think it's static. You're going up or you're going down. I want you to encourage you to continue to grow. Growing in Christ is not the easy road. It is not the, the path of least resistance. In fact, it's the path of most resistance. Brianna and I were just talking about this yesterday that, that it's, being, it's becoming harder and harder uh, to, to be a follower of Jesus and believe in the authority of the Bible and all the words today in our culture than it ever has before in my lifetime. It is not the easy road. It is the path of most resistance, but it is in that resistance that we become more like Jesus. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, he goes, people will hate you because, because of me. If people aren't hating you, then maybe you're not fully following him in the way that he's asked you to follow him. If everyone likes you because of what you believe, all right, then maybe it's time to reevaluate your spiritual growth. Here's the last one. Let me give this last one to you. Is this one we're all going to love? What do we do in the middle? We wait. <laughs> we patiently wait. How many love waiting? All right. Um, Brianne and I went to college in California. I remember, uh, I remember uh, one of the worst experiences was I had to get my license changed from Illinois to California, which meant I had to go to the California DMV. Right? If there is such thing as purgatory, it is California DMV. Like I got there early and there was, I was like number 432, the line around the block. All right? I don't like waiting. But, but Paul says this, that we wait patiently. Now, another translation for this word patiently is the word endurance. And endurance, it kind of, it's kind of almost speaks something different than patiently. Patiently just feels like, you know, maybe I just kind of sit in my chair and I just kind of wait for Jesus to come back or wait for him to do things. But endurance is continuing to move forward even when there is pain, even when there is resistance. I want to tell you, church family, God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose in the pain. He has a purpose in your life. He's got a purpose for you in this land in between. And some of you are in a desert season because you don't know your purpose. Maybe this next season is a season for you to ask the Lord, God, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? What have you created me for? How am I to serve his kingdom and his people and his church in a way where I can discover what he designed for me?